Hello and welcome to Voices Through Avalon podcast. My name is Katie Smith. And I'm Sharon Fincher. And we have a wonderful guest with us today, our Fund Development Director, Trine Gonzar. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, thank you. Uh, well, thanks for coming on to the podcast. We're really excited we haven't had you come to the podcast yet to speak, and uh, we're excited for the community to get to know you a little bit and hear about how you came to Avalon. So with that being said, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your position here at Avalon and how you came to do this work? Um, well, I'm the Director of Development, so focusing on um, all fundraising and making sure that we have as many opportunities within the community as also um, outside of our community um, to get to know who we are and what we do. Because um, I came to Avalon initially as a survivor. I was part of a case out of Lansing, Michigan, um, of the former Dr. Larry Nassar. And at that time, I realized there was no place given to us to go to Um you know, instead of being handed out therapists or handed out advocates, we really didn't have that kind of support and we really didn't know where to go. Um, so I started looking up places and people kept telling me that uh, you're so lucky you have a place in Detroit and you should talk to Kimberly Hurst and see what they're doing at Avalon. Uh, then it was Wayne County Safe. But um, I did reach out to Kim and um, Katie and um, set up some time to understand a little bit better what was happening here and what the kind of offerings that they had for survivors. And then only to realize that at that time, this organization was in times of crisis versus kind of being out in the community and people knowing about them before they needed to know. And um, I've worked really hard to use my platform to be able to give awareness to any survivors that are out there that could need support and understand that we're a free service. So that's kind of how I landed here, and I've been here almost four years now. Awesome. Um, so what is your favorite part about your job here at Avalon? Um, I love to speak to communities that aren't aware that we exist, um, mostly because every single time I do speak, it it, it gives one person or multiple persons a little bit of courage and a little bit of hope one, that we that there is such a place like Avalon, that there is a place that has resources in trauma-informed care and works specifically to survivors of sexual violence. Um, but two, you know, I love seeing that we have staff members and people that are committed to this kind of work and to make sure that survivors have hope because um, that's a really it can, it can be a really dark place and the journey can be far and wide and high and low and we're always here so wanted to get that out there that's my favorite part here recently we've had a lot of exposure centered around um athletes and, and sexual abuse that they've um, endured while being on campuses with doctors and coaches um can you kind of tell us a little bit more about that because if you look at the news it's 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 becoming more and more common where these kinds of things are are happening and and we know that that's something that brought you to us was your experience with the Nasser case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's unfortunate because um you know you get you get people that are not with either parents or guardians that can advocate for them in in situations where a coach or a doctor is kind of a power position in a sense and um 
when you have those kind of power dynamics within specifically children, but um, particularly anything that's isolated, so whether it's Boy Scouts, whether it's you know a religious community, those kind of things, you you almost have a breeding ground of opportunity of people to to prey on if you're a perpetrator. And in sport, being such a driven um, community of people, they're pretty much willing to do whatever they can to be the best at their sport. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we're taught to ask not, we're taught to not ask questions and we're taught to not question some of the things that we're to do, even if that means lifting, you know, dumbbell weights or climbing a rope with 50 pound weights or under waist, things like that, mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily abuse. So when you have something that somebody's telling you as a doctor in an athletic setting, that they're fixing an injury really only to find out that it was abuse, you know, that kind of thing isn't, this is the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. This is just the beginning of this. Um, These exposures are just encouraging other athletes or other communities that are under this kind of, um, you know, standing where they can't have a voice because they're taught not to. And they're starting to realize that they do have that opportunity as more come forward. I, th- I think there's a lot more coming forward. What, since you've started with with the NASAR case and, and been kind of heavily involved in athletics and, and sexual assault um, on campuses and, you know, schools, um, what changes have you noticed since since the beginning of this till today? I know we're, we're constantly working to try to change things, but have there been things put in place to try to prevent this or assist you know i i wish i would be able to say that there's been more done for that um but unfortunately what we're finding with institutions such as universities that they're supporting their brand and they're supporting the institution more than they're supporting the survivors and so as survivors we're really fighting to try to bring more awareness and bring more support to survivors because we're finding that it doesn't just sit in the athletic space at these universities it does stem to these other survivors just the other community members and the other students that don't have support so if you have a university run sexual assault um center or crisis center it's run by the university Mm. and so the university can control certain things and Mm. you know when they're the number one institution being u of m uh they have a lot of money and power to be able to silence or control the narrative and as survivors that are speaking out against that you know there's a lot of pushback and so the fight is a really heavy fight and it's a continuational fight but what we're realizing is when soli- when survivors come together in solidarity whether they're not in the same cases or they're not in you know the same setting but they are willing to stand with each other that puts a lot of pressure on these universities because it's not just those athletes or those students or those survivors that are pushing against what's happening at that institution they're starting to realize others are going to start coming in support of right. And so I think that from this point on, if you're an institution that's facing that, you should really look at what these institutions have done wrong mm-hmm. and really try to make the changes ahead of time because at this stage we're coming for them and we'll really, we will really stand with those survivors. It'll be great if, if a university actually promoted safety and yeah. said, you know, this is something that we're serious about. You know, how great would that be in the headlines? How many people would actually want to go there not just athletes but students um mm-hmm. but you know yeah. wishful thinking 
Um, so for people in those types of situations, like what do you suggest that they do to find support? Where could they go? How could they handle it? You know, I, I heard you say that um, you're told to not say certain things and not ask questions. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give to someone who may feel like this is happening to them? Um, or where could they go? Well, my first advice would be to tell someone in your circle that you trust that isn't necessarily affiliated you couldn't tell a teammate if you feel safe in that space. If that person doesn't believe you, tell the second person. If that person doesn't believe you, tell the third. Until you find somebody that's you know willing to be either a supporter or just a standby advocate to help you navigate. Um, and look for resources in your community because they do exist. It might not be the exact same as Avalon, but something that has trauma-informed advocates or advocates that work with survivors of sexual violence And, um, you know, when you're ready for that, if you're ready for that, to be able to talk to somebody, then, you know, I highly encourage that step because that is a big first step, but it's also a really good step to the healing process. Okay. Well, awesome. Thank you for um, sharing that resource with us. Um, As many of you know, April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And of course, Avalon, we have a lot going on. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what we're doing this month and maybe also about some of the amazing other things that we're doing over the next couple months? Yeah. Um, We actually received a um, a matching gift from DTE where they gave us $10,000 and we are encouraged to match that $10,000. Um, and we're pretty close to that. We're just under seven yeah. right now. Um, so we're hoping to get the community involved to support that match um, because it's a really great way to give to survivors without having to you know, ask too many questions, go too far into something. Just know that, that where our money is going to go is going to go directly to the survivors and directly to our programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and also we're working on um, a center, so a place – much bigger than where we are now. That's trauma-informed, trauma-informed design, but also a place where all of these programs that do support survivors can come under one roof. So instead of having to send our survivors out to different locations to get support, we can bring them all into one place and then help them there and better facilitate um, their journey and make less stops for them along the road. Yeah, and you've been and you've been a you know one of the spearheaders, if you will, of the center. So um, that's very exciting, and um, I think we're all here at Avalon just ready to get there and be in the space and have our own space. Yeah. And so that's a really exciting thing for us that's coming up. Um, what what do I want to ask you now? <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little stumped. <laughs> do you? Do you have any more? It is Monday, guys, by the way. Um, do you have any more questions for Trine, Sharon? I don't. I'm just looking forward to everything that we have, you know, moving forward. The plans that we have that are happening. Um, I think all of us here are a bit overwhelmed, um, and we have tons of things that we're working on, but it's all in the best interest of the clients and the community that we serve. So I'm excited to see everything actually unfold and manifest. Um and then build on that too, but I, I do appreciate bringing an, an, another discussion to the group. Um, we we talk about sexual assault, but I don't think people really understand um, the different things that go on with it within it. They they feel like you know somebody's going to grab me up the street and something's going to happen. We don't really get into 
how majority of the people who are abusers are somebody that you know. Mm-hmm. We definitely don't think that when we send our kids off to school that they're probably, yeah, they're probably more affected than sending them to the high school because mm-hmm. they can't come home to you. And, and you know, of course they want to go to school and things like that. So I just think that it's important for us to continue to keep bringing as many different perspectives and conversations to the table. So I'm glad that we are, you know, having these discussions and and being very hopeful that um, it not only helps the students, but also persuades the universities and and higher, you know, institutions of learning to to be more protective of their students and realize that it's not going to hurt your brand if you're protecting your students. It's really going to help your brand Mm -hmm. because now the parents are becoming more aware of this. I'm sure there are a lot of other discussions happening. Yeah, I mean, even the funders that support the university are starting to take notice because Mm -hmm. when you have, you know, large assault cases happening on your campus, you know that that's not the only place that the assaults are happening. Um, But when you have that kind of magnitude that some of them are having, you know, some of those big funders are starting to take notice of where they're giving their money. And we're, we're really hopeful that in the end, those student, the campuses are going to be safer. Mm-hmm. Our communities are going to be safer. And, and also students are finding the, their voices through this. I mean, mm-hmm. students are starting to really not sit in their hotel room or I'm sorry, their dorm room and feel scared about what's next. They're starting to feel hopeful of what's next. And we're really excited to be on that forefront because, you know, as we grow, whether it's going to be a satellite office somewhere or another center in another community, we recognize that, that they don't have what, what we have to offer. And this model is going to be something that can really, really support as many survivors as we possibly can. And what a great way for April to be kind of the, kickoff of letting people know that we are we're really starting to make moves mm-hmm. and we have a lot to come mm-hmm. awesome so we're going to do um my favorite part of the podcast which is the lightning round where i'm going to ask you a couple random questions i'm going to start the first question off with a little bit of information about Trinae. um we all know that she's really a cat here at avalon um she loves tuna and she usually has a tuna packet in her hand at all times in, in a meeting, right now. doing paperwork, walking around with it. She's always eating tuna. I worry about your mercury levels. You might want to get those checked out. Um, or she has, and she has a cabinet of snacks and all kinds of yummy little rice bowl thingies that sometimes we in like defense, to partake that in. That was from when I was pregnant, and I just haven't I know. eaten all of it. There's yet. always food here at Avalon if you go into Trinae's cabinet, though. Um, but with that being said, um, what are your three favorite restaurants here in Detroit? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I love the um, the Jagged Fork. Mm-hmm. Uh, the breakfast spot's really awesome. They always are. Uh, it's just a good vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the one, Katie, with the pasta? She-Wolf. She-Wolf. I yeah. love She-Wolf. Yes. Um, and I also like, um, I think it's called Sai Thai. Mm, yeah. I love Thai food, and I am so picky about Thai food, and they have some bomb Thai food. So if you have not eaten there yet, I highly recommend it. All good choices. I love She-Wolf. I wish the portions were bigger, but it's very, very good. It's it's fresh-made pasta. Yep. I got to go one time, and I really enjoyed it. Um, Okay. Um, Do you have a favorite quote that you'd like to share with us or something that you really speaks to you? Yeah. Um, The Still I Rise uh, by Maya Angelou. Honestly, 
I, I'm, I'm always looking for more quotes that inspire me. And every time I'm brought back to that one piece, because no matter what's happening in my day um, or how heavy things can mm-hmm. get, um, I'm still rising, whether that's I'm learning, whether that's I'm moving, whether that's I'm working on myself, um, I'm rising and I'm rising to the occasion. So that one really still gets me every single day. I think that that's a good, something that people could really benefit from is having a quote like that, that they yeah. can recognize. And cause I think we all have days where maybe like you're saying, you, things happen, rough day, something, someone throws a wrench in your day, but having a quote to come back to like that kind of like lifts you up and keeps you going. Yeah. Um, what are some things that you like to do for self-care? Cause this work is very heavy and especially being a survivor. And I would just like to know what are some things that you do to try to kind of combat some of that? Mm-hmm. Um, that is something I'm personally really working on is really setting boundaries and expectations for myself of, um, what is the best use of my energy? Because, um, saying no sometimes is the best use of my energy mm-hmm. and, um, reading has become a new thing for me. Not, not just reading, whether it's self-help or about trauma, but something that takes my mind into a completely different place That's good. and really inspires me to hear other stories. I love reading other, other people's true stories of their lives and how they got through things. So I, I really have been utilizing that lately. Um, I am just starting my own version of therapy. Um, I have in the last couple of weeks just really decided that it's time. And I know you can promote or you can tell or you can suggest somebody to, to seek the therapy that they need to really, you know, work on some of those inner wounds that are sitting there because they're, they're going to sit there until you work on them. And I've been avoiding that for some time. And I've just started that, which nice. um, I think is, you know, it's time for that. And I've been really intentional about trying to get back into some yoga and journaling. Journaling's become another really big thing for me, even if it's just jotting down bullet points or things through the day, things I heard, things I saw. Nice. Um, and also, you know, meditation, just laying down or mm. sitting down and just trying to zone out for 10 minutes because I find my brain going 2 million miles per hour, 24 hours a day, and that's not a healthy thing for your brain. You need a little bit of step back and take a second. So, I mean, that anybody can do that. Anybody can journal. Anybody can take a note somewhere and just, even if it's going to be still I rise and you put it on your mirror. Mm -hmm. Um, But self-care is super important. Those are all amazing self-care options. And I'm glad that you're, you know, putting, making some time for that. Cause I think for a lot of us, it is hard with self-care, you know, um, for me, it's shopping, so I'm trying to <laughs> find other ways to have self-care but not spend money. Yeah. So maybe the That journal. was a self-care version for me <laughs> until I got so many Amazon boxes that it was more stressful for me to open the boxes and see what I liked so and what of fit. The cardboard. Yeah, same. <laughs> All right. Also try tai chi. Mm. Tai chi is really good. It's kind of like an equivalent of yoga, but it the stretching helps the oxygen Ooh. flow through your muscles and... You feel really, really good when you do it. It's a really slow, yeah. elongated movement. Do you do it? Yeah. Where do you do it? Well, I got to get back into it. I used to do it at the park, but 
then they stopped. If you do, I, do it again, invite us. I'd love to do yeah. that. That would be awesome. It's cool. My best friend's coworker is actually going to Brazil or something. He does touch. He's a touchy mm-hmm. instructor. And he's going to spend some time there to learn some techniques and stuff. So, yeah, we're going to get back into it. Nice. I mean, you have a little yeah. group for that, maybe. That would be yeah. amazing. Cool for the clients. Some Tai Chi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah sounds, Tai Chi is great. That sounds cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, last question. Um, we I always ask this question. Um, I change up the lightning round questions with everybody that we talk to. But this question I always ask everybody. At the end of the day, with everything going on in the world, everything you have going on here at Avalon and in your personal life, what keeps you coming back to work every day? Almost every single day, I get a message from someone around the world that says to me, either I didn't kill myself today because of you, or I want help and I see that you are doing what you're doing and working with who you're working with, and I'm ready now, and thank you for that. Uh, And that, to me, is my reminder every day why I can't walk away from this work because, you know, it's not something that I chose. It's something I was handed and I'm trying to follow that platform and that gift in a sense, because I know that if I can do it, then they can do it. And I'm ready and willing to be somebody that can be on their, on their page and on their side. That's awesome. Trine, thank you. Um, thank you for coming to speak with us today and be on our podcast. And we will have you back in another time for sure. And so thank you. And we hope that you have a wonderful day. Thanks so much. Everybody enjoy yourselves. Be safe. And we'll see you next time.